Chapter 25 of Consuelo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Consuelo by George Sand. Chapter 25. During the three months that had elapsed since the Baroness Amelia had taken it into her head to have a companion, less to instruct her than to solace her weariness, she had in fancy pictured to herself a hundred times the form and features of her future friend. Aware of poor Pora's crusty humor, she feared he would send some severe and pedantic governess. She had therefore secretly written to him to say, as if her desires were not law to her doting relatives, that she would receive no one past twenty-five. On reading Porpora's answer, she was so transported with joy that she forthwith sketched in imagination a complete portrait of the young musician, the adopted child of the professor, young and a Venetian, that is to say, in Amelia's eyes, made expressly for herself and after her own image. She was somewhat disconcerted, therefore, when instead of the blooming, saucy girl that her fancy had drawn, she beheld a pale, melancholy, and embarrassed young person, for in addition to the profound grief with which her poor heart was overwhelmed, and the fatigue of a long and rapid journey, a fearful and almost fatal impression had been made on Consuelo's mind by the vast pine forest tossed by the tempest, the dark night illuminated at intervals by livid flashes of lightning, and above all by the aspect of this grim castle to which the howlings of the baron's kennel and the light of the torches borne by the servants lent a strange and ghastly effect. What a contrast with the firmamento lucido of Marcello, the harmonious silence of the nights at Venice, the confiding liberty of her former life, passed in the bosom of love and joyous poesy. When the carriage had slowly passed over the drawbridge, which sounded hollow under the horse's feet, and the portcullis fell with a startling clang, it seemed to her as if she had entered the portals of the inferno of Dante, and seized with terror, she recommended her soul to God. Her countenance, therefore, showed symptoms of extreme agitation when she presented herself before her hosts, and the aspect of Count Christian, his tall, wasted figure, worn at once by age and vexation, and dressed in his ancient costume, completed her dismay. She imagined she beheld the specter of some ancient nobleman of the Middle Ages, and looking upon everything that surrounded her as a dream, she drew back, uttering an exclamation of terror. The old count, attributing her hesitation and paleness to the jolting of the carriage and the fatigue of the journey, offered his arm to assist her in mounting the steps, endeavoring at the same time to utter some kind and polite expressions. But the worthy man, on whom nature had bestowed a cold and reserved exterior, had become, during so long a period of absolute retirement, such a stranger to the usages and conventional courtesies of the world, that his timidity was redoubled, and under a grave and severe aspect he concealed the hesitation and confusion of a child. The obligation which he considered himself under to speak Italian, a language which he had formerly known tolerably well, but which he had almost forgotten, only added to his embarrassment, and he could merely stammer out a few words, which Consuelo heard with difficulty, and which she took for the unknown and mysterious language of the shades. 
Amelia, who had intended to throw herself upon Consuelo's neck and at once appropriate her to herself, had nothing to say. Such is the reserve imparted, as if by contagion, even to the boldest natures, when the timidity of others seems to shun their advances. Consuelo was introduced into the great hall where they had supped. The Count, divided between the wish to do her honor and the fear of letting her see his son, while buried in his morbid sleep, paused and hesitated, and Consuelo, trembling and feeling her knees give way under her, sank into the nearest seat. Uncle, said Amelia, seeing the embarrassment of the Count, I think it would be better to receive the Signora here. It is warmer than in the great saloon, and she must be frozen by the wintry wind of our mountains. I am grieved to see her so overcome with fatigue, and I am sure that she requires a good supper and a sound sleep much more than our ceremonies. Is it not true, my dear Signora? added she, gaining courage enough to press gently with her plump and pretty fingers to the powerless arm of Consuelo. Her lively voice and the German accent with which she pronounced her Italian reassured Consuelo. She raised her eyes to the charming countenance of the young baroness, and looks once exchanged, reserve and timidity were alike banished. The traveler understood immediately that this was her pupil, and that this enchanting face at least was not that of a specter. She gratefully received all the attentions offered her by Amelia, approached the fire, allowed her cloak to be taken off, accepted the offer of supper, although she was not the least hungry, and more and more reassured by the kindness of her young hostess, she found at length the faculties of seeing, hearing, and replying. While the domestics served supper, the conversation naturally turned on Porpora, and Consuelo was delighted to hear the old Count speak of him as his friend, his equal, and almost as his superior. Then they talked of Consuelo's journey, the route by which she had come, and the storm which must have terrified her. "'We are accustomed at Venice,' replied Consuelo, "'to tempests still more sudden and perilous, for in our gondolas, in passing from one part of the city to another, we are often threatened with shipwreck even at our own thresholds.' The water which serves us instead of paved streets swells and foams like the waves of the sea, dashing our frail barks with such violence against the walls that they are in danger of destruction before we have time to land. Nevertheless, although I have frequently witnessed such occurrences and am not naturally very timid, I was more terrified this evening than I have ever been before by the fall of a huge tree uprooted by the tempest in the mountains and crashing across our path. The horses reared upright, while the postilion in terror exclaimed, It is the tree of misfortune. It is the Hussite which has fallen. Can you explain what that means, Signora Baronessa? Neither the Count nor Amelia attempted to reply to this question. They trembled while they looked at each other. My son was not deceived, said the old man. Strange, strange in truth and excited by his solicitude for Albert, he left the saloon to rejoin him, while Amelia, clasping her hands, murmured, There is magic here, and the devil in presence bodily. These strange remarks reawakened the superstitious feeling which Consuelo had experienced on entering the castle of Rudolstadt. The sudden paleness of Amelia, the solemn silence of the old servants in their red liveries, whose square, bulky figures and whose lackluster eyes, which their long servitude seemed to have deprived of all sense and expression, 
appeared each the counterpart of his neighbors. The immense hall wainscoted with black oak, whose gloom a chandelier loaded with lighted candles did not suffice to dissipate. The cries of the screech owl, which had recommenced its flight round the castle, the storm being over. Even the family portraits and the huge heads of stags and boars carved in relief on the wainscoting all awakened emotions of a gloomy cast that she was unable to shake off. The observations of the young baroness were not very cheering. My dear signora, said she, hastening to her sister, you must be prepared to meet here things strange, inexplicable, often unpleasant, sometimes even frightful, true scenes of romance which no one would believe if you related them, and on which you must pledge your honor to be silent forever. While the baroness was thus speaking, the door opened slowly, and the canoness Wenselawa, with her hump, her angular figure, and severe attire, the effect of which was heightened by the decorations of her order, which she never laid aside, entered the apartment with an air more affably majestic than she had ever worn since the period when the Empress Maria Theresa, returning from her expedition to Hungary, had conferred on the castle the unheard-of honor of taking there a glass of Hippocras and an hour's repose. She advanced toward Consuelo, and after a couple of courtesies and a harangue in German, which she had apparently learned by heart, proceeded to kiss her forehead. The poor girl, cold as marble, received what she considered a death salute and murmured some inaudible reply. When the canoness had returned to the saloon, for she saw that she rather frightened the stranger than otherwise, Amelia burst into laughter long and loud. By my faith, said she to her companion, I dare swear you thought you saw the ghost of Queen Labusa. But calm yourself, it is my aunt, the best and most tiresome of women. Hardly a Consuelo recovered from this emotion when she heard the creaking of great Hungarian boots behind her. A heavy and measured step shook the floor, and a man, with a face so massive, red and square, that those of the servants appeared pale and aristocratic beside it, traversed the hall in profound silence, and went out by the great door which the valets respectfully opened for him. Fresh agitation on the part of Consuelo, fresh laughter on that of Amelia. This, said she, is Baron Rudelstadt, the greatest hunter, the most unparalleled sleeper, and the best of fathers. His nap in the saloon is concluded. At nine he rises from his chair, without on that account awakening, walks across this hall without seeing or hearing anything, retires to rest, and wakes with the dawn, alert, active, vigorous as if he were still young, and bent on pursuing the chase anew with falcon, hound, and horse. Hardly had she concluded when the chaplain passed, he was stout, short, and pale as a dropsical patient. A life of meditation does not suit the dull Slavonian temperament, and the good man's obesity was no criterion of robust health. He made a profound bow to the ladies, spoke in an undertone to a servant, and disappeared in the track of the baron. Forthwith, old Hans and another of these automatons, which Consuelo could not distinguish, so closely did they resemble each other, took their way to the saloon. Consuelo, unable any longer even to appear to eat, followed them with her eyes. Hardly had they passed the door, when a new apparition, more striking than all the rest, presented itself at the threshold. It was a youth of lofty stature and admirable proportions, 
but with a countenance of corpse-like paleness. He was attired in black from head to foot, with a velvet cloak, trimmed with sable and held by tassels and clasps of gold, hung from his shoulders. Hair of ebon blackness fell in disorder over his pale cheeks, which were further concealed by the curls of his glossy beard. He motioned away the servants who advanced to meet him with an imperative gesture, before which they recoiled as if his gaze had fascinated them. Then he turned toward Count Christian, who followed him. I assure you, father, said he, in a sweet voice and winning accents, that I have never felt so calm. Something great is accomplished in my destiny, and the peace of heaven has descended on our house. May God grant it, my child, exclaimed the old man, extending his hand to bless him. The youth bent his head reverently under the hand of his father, then raising it with a mild and sweet expression, he advanced to the center of the hall, smiled faintly, while he slightly touched the hand which Amelia held out to him, and looked earnestly at Consuelo for some seconds. Struck with involuntary respect, Consuelo saluted him with downcast eyes, but he did not return the salutation and still continued to gaze on her. This is the young person, said the canonist in German, whom, but the young man interrupted her with a gesture which seemed to say, Do not speak to me, do not disturb my thoughts. Then slowly turning away, without testifying either surprise or interest, he deliberately retired by the great door. You must excuse him, my dear young lady, said the canoness. He, I beg pardon, aunt, for interrupting you, exclaimed Amelia, but you are speaking German, which the signora does not understand. Pardon me, dear signora, replied Consuelo, in Italian. I have spoken many languages in my childhood, for I have traveled a good deal. I remember enough of German to understand it perfectly. I dare not yet attempt to speak it, but if you will be so good as to give me some lessons, I hope to regain my knowledge of it in a few days. I feel just in the same position, replied the canoness in German. I comprehend all the young lady says, yet could not speak her language. Since she understands me, I may tell her that I hope she will pardon my nephew the rudeness of which he has been guilty in not saluting her when I inform her that this young man has been seriously ill, and that after his fainting fit he is so weak that probably he did not see her. Is not this so, brother? asked the good Wenceslawa, trembling at the falsehood she had uttered and seeking her pardon in the eyes of Count Christian. My dear sister, replied the old man, it is generous in you to excuse my son. The signora, I trust, will not be too much surprised on learning certain particulars which we shall communicate to her tomorrow. With all the confidence which we ought to feel for a child of Porpora, and, I hope I may soon add, a friend of the family. It was now the hour for retiring, and the habits of the establishment were so uniform that if the two young girls had remained much longer at table, the servants would doubtless have removed the chairs and extinguished the lights just as if they had not been there. Besides, Consuelo longed to retire, and the baroness conducted her to the elegant and comfortable apartment which had been set apart for her accommodation. I should like to have an hour's chat with you, said she, as soon as the canoness, who had done the honors of the apartment, had left the room. I long to make you acquainted with matters here, so as to enable you to put up with our eccentricities, but you are so tired that you must certainly wish, in preference, to repose. 
Do not let that prevent you, Signora, replied Consuelo. I am fatigued, it is true, but I feel so excited that I am sure I shall not close my eyes during the night. Therefore talk to me as much as you please, with this stipulation only, that it shall be in German. It will serve as a lesson for me, for I perceive that the Signor Count and the Canoness as well are not familiar with Italian. Let us make a bargain, said Amelia. You shall go to bed and rest yourself a little, while I throw on a dressing gown and dismiss my waiting maid. I shall then return, seat myself by your bedside, and speak German so long as we can keep awake. Is it agreed? With all my heart, replied Consuelo. End of chapter 25, read by Bryce Cries, Youngstown, October 12, 2021.